0: Welcome to Sprints and Milestones, a podcast where Brett Harnett and Greg story share war stories, tips, tactics, and anecdotes on navigating the sometimes rough waters of getting digital projects done. If you're leading projects and want some help and reassurance that you're doing the right things, you've downloaded the right podcast. Enjoy the show. This episode is sponsored by Team Gantt and Harvest, two companies who have supported me and the digital project management community for some time now. TeamGantt is an online project management platform that helps you to create intuitive and beautiful project plans. For more information and a free account, visit teamgantt.com. Harvest, if you don't already know, is a leading time tracking and reporting software that has helped me to keep many budgets and projects intact. For more information and to start your free trial, visit getharvest.com. On with the show. In the last episode, we talked about how project managers need to be lovable hard asses, which led us to talking about trust and awkwardly safe words. This week, we're going to talk about education, which relates to the principle in the book, We Are Consummate Learners and Teachers. So let me read that really quick. Working in an industry that moves so fast, we are inherently adaptable and open to new processes, ideas, practices, and deliverables. We follow what's happening in our industry from all angles and do what we can to account for change to make our projects more successful. We're open to bettering ourselves and our peers by sharing our work and practices openly and freely with other DPMs, as well as our team, clients and stakeholders. We recognize that learning and teaching builds trust in what we do and benefits others and leads to stronger partnerships and outcomes. So I think for me, this one's really important because I'm such an advocate of just continuous learning and teaching, Um, and I feel like in my career, I've learned everything that I know about what I do just working on the job. Um, So Greg, why don't we talk a little bit about how we got into our careers? Um, How did you get into design and working on the web?
1: Well, I've I've always been, uh, I think like a, a natural artist, and uh, so I've always been drawing and, and later in school, painting and whatnot, and when... But, but I should say there was always a, a, a pull towards design. I would pore over the Sunday newspaper, and I wasn't so much reading all of the articles, as so much just looking at how things were typeset, how they were laid out. I always found it interesting that they would, you know, break up a story and continue it somewhere else in, in the paper... Just all facets of that, and especially the, the Sunday paper, uh, you know, with some of the dynamic layouts that they would have for features. Uh, just as I grew older, became more and more curious about that. And that's about the time that Apple started rolling out the Macintosh. And that machine was just prime for graphic design. And so anytime I could get my hands on one of those, either at school or a friend's house or whatnot. I was always playing around uh, with with some type of facet of, of graphic design, and then in college, I actually wanted to get a degree in, in design, but the, um, the the program that was running it, uh, I just didn't care for it. So I went into advertising, which had a graphic design class, and I figured the uh, you know what better way to kind of get in that you know to be able to do that in a career then study the things that, you know, that are kind of related to design. And then the internet came around. And then all of a sudden, you had this platform that would enable you to design things and publish them with no cost, with no, you know, there was really no barrier. I, I could take all these interests I had, design, technology, and, uh, and content, and, you know, that was kind of the, the perfect Venn diagram of all my interests.
0: That's awesome. And then you spun that into just a full career and being really like a leader in the design community.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, what we're talking about here is not just doing something once and kind of saying, okay, that's cool, but how do I do that better? How do I, how do I push myself? And then of course, what helped is the internet was also evolving both in technology and, and processes and, you know, it continues to do that today. So, there's uh, there's never a dull moment in this industry as long as you try to keep up in, in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get
0: into project management? Because I don't think you went to school for that. No, I don't think I could have. I'm that person who never knew what he really wanted to do until he finally got into a job. So I, I started my college career in pre-med and quickly self-selected out of that program <laughs> by almost failing out my, my first year of college. And, you know, I, I ended up in English and fine arts because I felt like, you know, I always had that kind of like creative mindset. When I graduated, I had zero help in finding a job and turned to the internet. So this was back in 99 when things were still pretty fresh, right? Um, the startup boom was happening. I really wanted to be a part of something like that. That was so exciting at the time. Um, so I found a job as an editor for a sports instruction website called it back then. It was called mysportsguru.com. And it wasn't the content that excited me as much as the work um, and how much I could learn on the job. So I was, I was tasked with writing and interviewing professional athletes and turning um, those interviews into written content that would be paired with motion capture animation so at the same time i was learning how to direct video shoots um, how to conduct good interviews how to write flash like program and flash which is crazy because i would never jump back into something like that today it's just, the good old days i, don't know, I still have somewhere on a like a flappy disc is like one of the um, animations that I did, which was like a flyover of a bowling alley, complete with my voice doing like uh, voiceover work. It actually got <laughs> used on the website. You know, I started that first job, and I just learned so much. And I was doing UX work, I was doing Photoshop work, I was writing, but at the end of the day, I was really kind of just like managing projects, like, and and I didn't realize it back then. Fast forward, you know, of course, I got laid off from that job, it went under as they all did, or many of them did. Fast forward to my time in an agency, I, I got a job at an agency working as an account director, still doing project management work in some way, but I really didn't know what project management was. And it wasn't until I got recruited by Razorfish here in Philly, for a project management role and I had to ask the recruiter a few times like can you explain this job to me again like I really don't know what project management is which is kind of funny considering like where I am now in my career but after I listened to her and I contemplated it I realized like okay so this probably is the kind of job that I want like I get to work with creative people I get to use my skills in you know communications and planning and budgeting and just like working working with people. It's what I love to do. And then I felt like I I worked there for a couple of years and the PM role was so behind the scenes and I'd come into the job as an account director. So I was always doing like more strategic work, being, you know, really the client liaison, working directly with designers and like being really strategic. And I loved that job. So that's when I started looking for something new. And that's when I found Happy Cog. Um, and it was in that role at Happy Cog as a project manager that I felt like I could use all of the skills that I would kind of built up over time in my career, right? Like I was able to be a part of the team and sit at the table and talk about design and UX and development in a way that I couldn't in a more behind the scenes role. I was interacting with clients. I was brainstorming and collaborating with the team. And I was really happy. And, and that's kind of that's kind of how I got into it. So it's not like I have any kind of formal training. At this point, I have like a scrum certification. But you know, that's really just like I took a class and then I took a, a follow up test that I had to pay for like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, what means most to me is like the experience over time and just kind of figuring out what good project management means to me and to the team or the company I'm working with.
1: Yeah, and those, you know, to go off on a tangent real quick, those those classes that you pay for and that certification and whatnot, I can't tell you how many times I've come across or, or worked with some folks that have those, um, you know, fancy certificates of achievement or accomplishment or you passed, you know, graduation, whatever it is, and they're not much smarter about things, you know, than the folks that, that didn't, yep. you know. And I think it's important, especially in project management, where I feel like it's I don't know maybe five or six years behind in terms of of a career path that's as developed as say design or development yeah. right and that those certifications sometimes you know they're they are important to get promotions within larger companies but for those folks listening that is not an avenue that they can that they can go down you're you're not necessarily missing out yeah. As long as you're doing what, what you did, which is kind of get in there and roll your sleeves up and and uh, get kind of get messy, right?
0: Yeah, I think the thing about those certifications is there are some industries where you absolutely need it. Like you need a, a PMP to be a construction project manager, and and I yes. get that, and and that's why that that uh, PMP has become so big because people really kind of point back to it. I get a lot of people asking me at this point whether or not I think the certifications are worth it. And I, I can't say that, no, they're not worth it. I mean, that would be the, a, a really dumb answer, like a really you know, not considering all things. Like At any point that somebody can educate themselves or find opportunities, they should take them up. I think the thing that I warn people about those courses is that they they're teaching you what's in a book. They're not teaching you about real life experience. And like you right. said, it's about rolling your sleeves and rolling up your sleeves and experiencing things and making mistakes and learning from them.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the, the things like PMP, that's where when risk mitigation is a huge part of the project. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that we're going to see more and more of that in the industry as a whole, you know, I'm seeing that in my current role at uh, my large employer, where we deal in insurance and banking. Uh, so, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of government regulation, which means there's there's needs for compliance, and there needs to be awareness of compliance, and and eventually, that's that kind of responsibility is isn't on our design practice, but we're we're going to be taking some responsibility to to know enough to know when we need to bring those folks in to kind of take a look at our work. Yeah. So I could just imagine other project managers that are out there and product managers where there will come a time where some of that training, that specialized training is going to be important, but overall not necessarily required to be a good project manager.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we've kind of talked about and really is kind of a central focus of the book is... You know this idea that everyone is kind of a PM. So I'm curious to know, like, when in your career path have you had to be the kind of part-time project manager, mm. and how did you and how did you handle it? Well, probably not well if you <laughs> <laughs> ask the, the people that I worked
1: with. But yeah, it's true. There's been moments in time where uh, I I could think back to a couple of times early on when, as soon as I had a team. My team was comprised of creatives, developers, sometimes journalists. And I don't even know, I don't think I even knew what a project manager was back then. You know, I'm sure they were around, but I didn't understand exactly what they did. And and the web was so new that it just seemed like overkill that we would have somebody like that. But um, so, yeah, I just, as the leader, I took it upon myself to ensure that the team Knew what they were working on, what we were all working towards, and you know, to have some some type of uh, time constraint around that, understanding the dependencies, you know, for uh, one for work to pass from one person to the next, you know, I've I've just done that in in any time that I've had a, a small team, and that even includes when I started my own studio, Airbag. As soon as we got to become three people, you know, that was Ethan. As soon as I hired him, it was. Evident that there were even more project management related tasks and activities that were necessary with you know for us to to be successful. And then by the time we got um, you know added a couple more people, then then it was really evident that one I was not going to be the best project you know full time project manager, and so we ended up hiring somebody.
0: Okay. So I'm curious to know about maybe some tips or tactics on how you learned project management. You know, I know that you've got a pretty impressive bookshelf and you've shared project management books with me, but what are other ways that you kind of, you know, aside from bringing somebody in to take on that role, learned about like best practices and things that you can do to be a good PM?
1: Yeah. So, well, I then, you mentioned the bookcase bookshelf. So I have to mention the 1997 classic David Siegel's Secrets to Successful Websites, you know, and that helped, that actually helped me understand what I need to be curious about and that had to do a lot more with, with process, you know, and that there was much more details and nuance in all the different types of activities of work. It helped me understand that, hey, we should probably talk about requirements and understand more about the, the current state of things so that then we can talk about what we want the future state to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that book helped out a lot. And then it was more of a study of, of understanding more about the practice of design, understanding the differences re- between designers and their ability to deliver work at the same quality. But, you know, some people take longer than others. Uh, so understanding the, the nuance of personal skill sets and, and skill levels. Mm-hmm. You know, always having to understand what the, the needs of the, of the developers were at the time, you know, to understand what they needed from design and also vice versa, you know, what designers needed to understand from developers so that we would avoid creating something that just could not be completed. And then at the time, just trying to join or find, discover whatever community might be out there that was also sharing Kind of lessons learned, you know, from their own activity of being a part-time project manager or a full-time project manager. So, you know, list apart was one of the first um, that I can think of. There's been several that have kind of come and gone, where they weren't necessarily devoted to the practice of project management, but there was definitely questions around that, and and just enough to you know ask questions of my own and be able to help others.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a theme of how we work in a lot of text out there, right? Like whether it's uh, something like a list apart, or even just design books that I think are really helpful for any PM, just being curious about the way that work gets done, and what motivates people and how you can manage that is valuable. Yeah, even just as valuable as on the job experience.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's the the need for community, the need for for kind of collective intelligence. Yeah. That's exactly why, you know, you and I kind of looked around and noticed, hey, there's a lot of conferences around design and development, but there's not anything really geared towards the practice of project management and, and
0: product management. And that's why we started the digital PM community. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was so eye-opening, you know, coming to a company like Happy Cog that did place such a value on learning and speaking and teaching and writing, which is amazing. I mean, any company that does that for its employees is brilliant, I think, because there are so many benefits that come out of that, which is a whole other conversation. But for me, it kind of gave me the the drive or the kick in the butt to find a community of my own, you know, so... Mm -hmm. I was going to an amazing events and conferences, like an event in part and, and other ones, and was finding that there wasn't much content for me, and then realized, like, there's not much content for me on the web either. Mm-hmm. So then I started the DPM Philly in Philadelphia, which is a local media meetup that is still happening. That's awesome. And started the, the PM Summit, and it was just an amazing, like, I don't know if you remember, but that first event, the whole feeling was oh my gosh, there are people out there who are doing the same thing as me and I can actually talk to them now. Like, it sounds a little pathetic looking back on it, but it was so inspiring because it just, it, it got so many people to join a conversation that I think was so much needed that is now like, it's really a part of the conversation on the web at this point.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, so just for the listener's benefit, I, I think to add what you're saying, Brett, when we opened that event, it was packed out. The venue that we had was packed. Yeah. And as I recall, you gave kind of the opening keynote. And the first thing you did is ran across the tables in the front <laughs> and high-fived everybody and was, whoo! Such a nerd. I did and, that. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, everybody responded because they felt the exact same way right? I mean, uh, ev- everybody, the, the first five minutes of that, the hair on the back of my neck, you know, was standing straight up because the energy was, was so uh,
0: just uh, electric, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think w- what's so cool, too, is like, what came out of that first conference, right? Like, that that contributes to what we're talking about now, which is learning, like, that first conference, it inspired more people to join, Twitter, because so many Mm -hmm. PMs are not on Twitter, start sharing information. It inspired people to start writing blogs and contributing to websites. New websites popped up. There's now like training programs. There are conferences all over the world. There's a conference that I attend in Manchester in, in the UK where they bring a whole course of university students who are taking digital project management classes. Like you're kidding. I think a lot of stuff like that event and just finding the opportunity to, to build a community created so many opportunities for teaching and learning. And I just feel like it's, it's so exciting because it, it keeps growing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a really good illustration of, if you feel a need, right, and if you see
1: a need, it's likely you're, you're not alone in seeing that. Somebody's got to start something somewhere sometime, right? Like it, yeah. if, if you if you wait for someone else to do the thing that you want, you're likely going to be waiting for a long time. And then the best thing you can do is is go, is to start. And it doesn't mean that you have to own it for the rest of your life. But, you know, you you just, you don't want to, you don't want to wait. That's the worst thing you can do.
0: Absolutely. And I would even tag onto that and say, just because you see something out there now doesn't mean that you shouldn't contribute to it. So, you know, somebody's out there writing amazing blog posts or has a great newsletter and, and those things are out there in DPM. That doesn't mean that your voice isn't needed or wanted in the community, right? Like, I love it when I see new people writing and sharing their perspectives because everyone has something to offer.
1: Well, not only something to well when when you have people that have something to offer and you and people are doing that as a community, that's validation, right? Yep. That's whether it's validation of problems that exist in the industry or validation that um, you know a thought or an idea you had was was good. You know, there's just so much that can come from that to help you in your career path as a project manager,
0: you know, to kind of validate where you are and, and even where you need to go next. Yeah. So I think that kind of brings us to another topic, which is the teaching side of things, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Personally, I feel like I'm I'm continuously learning. Like even, even in my career now as a consultant, anytime I take on a project as a project manager or work with a client to help them with process issues or whatever it might be, I feel like I'm learning something valuable that contributes to my point of view on how project management should work. And I also think at the same time, the digital PM Summit has offered me Many opportunities to put myself out there and put on workshops and teach classes. You know, I taught a class at the University of the Arts a couple years ago in Philadelphia to graduate students about digital project management. I just taught a a course to a room full of apprentices at the Urban Tech Project in Philadelphia. And I feel like in, in those instances, I'm still learning, right? Because I'm creating a course where people are forced to interact and talk about challenges that they're facing and things that excite them about project management or things that confuse them. And every question or every point of view, I'm able to offer a response from my point of view, but then to hear their experience with it, I feel like keeps me in a position where I'm still learning, like I'm teaching, but I'm still learning. And I love that. Mm-hmm. What about your experience with teaching? Like, I know that you've mentored many designers and project managers. You've taught classes and workshops. Like, what do you like about teaching, and what's your perspective there?
1: So that you know, going back to what you're saying of you know, teaching is you know, essentially one of the best ways to learn, and I think that that comes from you need to as as the person teaching, as the person facilitating a workshop, what you know, whatever that that situation is. The best thing you can do is to try to know more than than you know just the thing you're talking about or that you're teaching you know meaning you need to know information that is tangentially related to whatever that subject matter is because for me in, in a classroom environment you're fostering conversation right you're yep. you're giving people a chance to participate ask questions share their point of view which uh, likely leads into, you know, tangents and and um, related discussions and conversations, and I just feel like for me to be a good instructor, I need to, I need to know more than just the thing that I'm 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 teaching directly. I, I need to know what are what what else is in the not the syllabus. What's in the back of the book? Bibliography, you know, you and taking a look at where else do I need to go from here to round out my own ed- education so that I can provide better education myself you know to the people that I'm mentoring or, or teaching
0: yeah absolutely and I think it's point of view too right like you have to have a strong point of view and a belief or a feeling that something should be done in a certain way or approached in a certain way and I feel like for me a lot of that comes out in in what I wrote in the book mm-hmm. but I also think you know back to the community thing and I just wrote an article about this on the bureau of digital blog just, There's strength in a community that teaches. Like, yes, that's the title of the blog and I'll share the link. But there's so many opportunities out there for people in this community, whether it be the digital community at large or just this smaller piece of it in the digital PM community to teach, you know, to to find organizations that need help with their digital offerings or to teach how to get things done, you know, Mm -hmm. volunteering, working with a local meetup, inviting students to events. Like there are so many things that that you can do that just continue, I think, that cycle of teaching and learning that is so important to not just the PMs, but everybody. Yep. So I'm excited about that. I mean, I I think that this topic is is really important to me and, and gets me going, which is why we're speaking for such a long time on this episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you know, and to give listeners an idea of, of what that looks like, the Bureau is a good community, especially the DPM uh, group within the Bureau. A list apart, an event apart, a book apart, you know, that whole part, Empire, is based on teaching, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it all started with a list apart, and there wasn't so much a, hey, look at me and, and what I did, it was hey, look at what I did and I'm going to tell you how I did it, right? Yep. And I mean, if you really think about it, this whole industry has grown at such a a crazy pace, I think because we've had things like View Source that enabled a designer to learn from, you know, somebody that came before them to see what what kind of tricks did you play here uh, or, you know, how did you structure your code or whatever that was, but there's been a lot of transparency. And then on top of that, you know, the the transparency is that willingness in the early days for so many people to just come forward and say, hey, I I learned a new thing and I want to pass this along for the betterment of all, right? Right. And so this desire uh, and I think, um, you know, the demand for teaching and for people teaching others has been there in this industry since day one and uh, it it just needs to it needs to continue. That's that's why this industry
0: is so special to me. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. So I think that brings us to the the end of the episode. I think I mentioned the book is full of links and resources that can help anyone to be a better project manager. Um, and it's not just about my book, right? It's about a lot of different sources that can help you. And I, and I I offer a lot of links and and titles to to things that you should look into if you're looking to expand your horizons. So on the next episode, join us. We're going to talk about how PMs can stay laser focused. We're going to talk about goals and a little bit more about teaching and inspiring. But I'm excited to jump into that conversation and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye. You sprinted to the end of this episode. Milestone complete. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for more resources on digital project management, check out Project Management for Humans by Brett Harned, which is available on Amazon.com or through Rosenfeld Media. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and check out our show notes and more at sprintsandmilestones.com.